0: So if you're just joining us in our uh, Genesis series, last week we spent time looking in on the uh, function of creation, the order of creation, and that if God is strong enough to order our entire universe, then he's without a doubt strong enough to order our lives, and he does so. And it's a beautiful picture of what God has intended for us to do while we're on this earth, and it's to live on it. It's to use the things that He has created to be creative. It's, it's, it's His gift to you and I, uh, to walk in relationship with Him, to walk in relationship with each other. And Genesis 1 and 2 are just this beautiful picture of the paradise we all long for, right? It's the, it's the way we want things to be. Uh, and obviously we feel the weight of things not being that way and we'll get there, but you gotta know that this is what God created us for. And so he created the world for. And so today, we're actually going to zoom in to the end of Genesis chapter 1, uh, where we find these pretty powerful words, starting in verse 26 of Genesis 1. Then God said, let us make human beings in our image to be like us. They will reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, the livestock, all the wild animals on the earth, and the small animals that scurry along the ground. So God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them, male and female, he created them. Then God blessed them and said, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and govern it. Reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, and all the animals that scurry along the ground." There's a discussion going on in the heavenly places, and it's significant because it's not just like the, God said, let there be light. God said, let the space, the sky. God said, let the waters. It's actually, no, God has a moment and says, let us make human beings in our image. So what's happening here, and obviously in in creation order and the last thing being created, uh, significant and symbolic of being the most important and these elements together, um, but what is happening is a very big deal. What's happening, what God is about to do is more significant, more weighty, more glorious than what He's just done with the mountains, the stars, the sky, and it is the creation Of human beings in His likeness and in His image. Now, I want to be very careful because I want to I want to make sure we understand what that does not mean before we jump into what it means. It does not mean because we are created in His likeness and His image, it does not mean that we are gods. Now, for some of you, you may be like, well, duh, but I need you to know that there are some who have misinterpreted and taken these words and given themselves grander titles, then this scripture really gives us permission to do so. You and I are not created gods, right? I mean, it's kind of an oxymoron. If, and here's the deal. If something has a beginning, it's not a god, right? God creating gods, that doesn't make sense because if it's a god, it should not have a beginning or an end. And essentially, we see in scripture, there's only one being in all the universe that has no beginning and no end, and it's God. But it does not remove our value from what God has done and that we are different than all the rest of creation, okay? Psalm uh, Psalm chapter 8, verse 3. When I look at the night sky and see the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars you set in place, what are mere mortals that you should think about them? human beings, that you should care for them. You made them only a little lower than God and crowned them with glory and honor. You gave them charge of everything you made, putting all things under their authority, their flocks and the herds and all the wild animals, the birds in the sky, the fish in the sea and everything that swims the ocean currents. O Lord, our Lord, your majestic name fills the earth." So the scripture's teaching that we are made in his image, made in his likeness, does not give us permission to walk around acting like we're God's. We are mortal. We can be destroyed. We have a beginning. We have an end. But it does not remove the the beautiful promise and the beautiful function of of us living in the image and likeness of God. So the second thing it does not mean is that we physically look like God. See, the thing is, the scriptures teach that God is spirit. So when God stands in a mirror, he doesn't see what you or I look like, right? He doesn't, he's not looking at a reflection that looks like me, right? We'd like to make God look like our image, but the truth is God made us in his image. And since God is spirit, my physical appearance, appearance, your physical appearance is not what we're talking about here. In John chapter four, Jesus says, for God is spirit, So, those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. Now, Jesus is not saying it's like God's like a ghost, he's wispy or ethereal, but that God is not limited to our physical limitations and locations. God goes where he pleases, he does what he pleases, and that he is the life giving spirit. It's his breath. That brings things to life. Genesis chapter 2, verse 7. Then the Lord God formed the man from the dust on the ground. He breathed the breath of life into the man's nostrils. And the man became a living person. So what makes us different than the dirt that we came from? The mountains that we see? The, the stars that we watch in the sky? It's the spirit of God. It's the breath of God filling our lungs. So when we're considering the likeness of God, the image of God, the image bearers that the scriptures say that we are, we got to understand what we're not. We're not gods. And we're not talking about a physical appearance. We're talking about something more. So what are we talking about when it comes to the image and likeness of God? Most philosophers, theologians, scholars, have been able to really boil the discussion of image-bearing and likeness down to reflection and representation. And what I mean by that is this. God is intelligent. He is not the Jedi Force. He is not just this impersonal force causing things to happen. When we look at the Scriptures, we see that God is creative and that He thinks and He's aware and He knows and He decides and He makes choices. You and I, as human beings, are set apart from all other creation in our ability to do those, those very things. So when we are actively doing those things, we are image-bearing. We are more than our chemical makeup. And what I mean by that is when a dog is hungry, the dog finds food, eats the food. When a human being is hungry, yes, our body tells us we are hungry, But I have this weird ability to say, no, I'm going to fast from food. I'm going to give something up. I'm going to make a decision, a choice to forego whatever my chemical makeup is telling me I need to do. I I kind of think of it this way um, when it comes to imagination and creation, right? Um, You and I as human beings have this unique ability to imagine something and to actually bring it about. Now, not in the same way God did last week when we said he brought something out of nothing, but because we're creative beings, because we're thinkers, because we have imagination, we can picture something that is not yet there, and we can make it. You and I, being creative beings, reflect God when we do those types of things. So there's something about reflecting this God who is creative, who's intelligent, who thinks, who's aware, who knows, And who decides you get to see it really i mean kids gaming right minecraft fortnite there's what they call creative mode creator mode and so all you sit there and do is you create these worlds with all the different objects that you have you and i when we're doing those things are expressing likeness and image bearing of god second you and i are moral creatures and what i mean by that is you and I make decisions based on something that is right and something that is wrong. We are capable of making decisions with our will and our emotions. We get angry. We, we can decide to destroy. We can decide to not destroy. We make decisions beyond our chemical makeup. And thirdly, we are relational. Male and female, he created them, was not just gender assignment or gender identity, which is very important. But it is, he is placing us immediately into relationships. The life that God has given us included relationship with him and relationship with others. God starts us off in the same setting that he was in, with God who's in relationship, Father, Son, Spirit, existing for all eternity, no beginning, no end. He creates male and female, man and woman, in relationship. And how we interact with human beings, we have the unique ability to reflect God's image. Other human beings can learn, and I don't know know if you've ever thought about this, but other human beings can learn about what God is like by the way we interact with them. So when when you and I are functioning in a creative, intelligent, um, or in a moral, and in a nature relational nature reflection, we are functioning as image bearers of God. Not just standing there looking in the mirror, but when we are functioning in this way, we are reflective of the one who has made us. Now, why is this important? I know you may be like... Who cares about Genesis 1? Who cares about this old book? Who cares about some of these things? But why is it important that we know that we were made in the image of God? Because you and I, whether or not we're willing to admit it, we have image issues. We do. We look at ourselves and we look at the people around us and we struggle with our image. Genesis chapter 1 is a first word and a final word giving rock-solid glory and significance and dignity to every human being. See, science may only tell you that you're complex, but science will never tell you that you're significant. It can't. All it can tell you is that you're complex and you're made up of many things, and, and whether or not it's, it's intelligent design or it's a random chance, either you're complex, but God gives significance. And the truth of this is not something that is self-evident, but it is revealed by God. Now, I don't know if you knew this little-known fact, um, but if you were to read the Declaration of Independence in its opening opening phrase, this is what you would read. We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their Creator with certain unalienable rights, and among these are life, liberty and the pursuit of happiness. In Thomas Jefferson's, uh, one of his original rough drafts, which you can go to the Library of Congress and you can actually read, their wording is is different than what we have today. There were groups that, that pushed back on some of these wordings. And this was the way one of the rough drafts read before. We hold these truths to be sacred and undeniable, that all men are created equal and independent, that from that equal creation they derive rights, inherent and inalienable, among which are the preservation of life and liberty and the pursuit of happiness. Now, During Thomas Jefferson's day, there was a a group, the Enlightenment group, the Common Sense Party, who pressured Jefferson to change the wording from sacred and undeniable to self-evident. There's a problem with that. Their change revealed their ignorance. Equal rights and dignity, human dignity, for all human beings is not self-evident around the world. Go around the world and tell me that human dignity and human rights and human equality is, is given around the earth. It's not. It is not self-evident. When humans are left to their own and they reject this image bearing and likeness that God tells us we have, things get ugly. So why don't we do this? Why don't we see this practiced? Why don't we see it played out more? And, and we will cover this in great detail next week. But the simple answer is, why don't we sense this weight and this value of human, of human beings and created in the image of God and the likeness of God? The image of God in you and the image of God in me is broken. That's why we don't honor it in others. The reason that we don't live this out, that we don't see people that way, is because of the sin nature that is wrapped around us that will cause us to try and get a leg up on any other human being. The image of God is broken in you and me, which causes us to trample on it in others. We have fallen and chased other images to reflect. Tim Keller, uh, a pastor, church planner, theologian, teacher... Um, explained it this way one time. He said that if you're trying to get significance out of your creator or you're trying to get significance out of creation, you're going to be an agent for life or you're going to be an agent for death, wherever you go. And this is the example that he gave. He said, if you are assured of your value out of God, Right. If you're assured of that, if you know that God made you unique and he made uh, he made you to reflect him and bear his image and there's worth and there's value there. If you are assured of that, when you walk into marriage, you know, you are just as free to be a person who just loves that person and serves that person and enjoys that person. Right. You won't be looking for your value or your significance to come from whether or not that person loves you back the weight of that expectation is crushing, right? You're essentially looking to your spouse, your future spouse, to be your everything, to be your significance and to be your value. And that weight crushes not just you, but it crushes the, expecta- the person you put that expectation on. He says, you'll never want them to be upset with you or they'll always be upset with you because your expectations and your need for them to be perfect so that you can be seen as perfect, will crush them too. God says to us that if I am your glory, if you are imaging me, then everywhere you go, you can be life-giving. But when we try and find our glory in our reflection, in our image-bearing from something else in this world, it will crush us and it will crush others. You and I do not have to live gaining a better self-image because you image your creator. This is the power of understanding that God made you and me, human beings, male and female, he created them both as image bearers of God. We, we are broken, and the image of God in us is broken, and it causes us to break the image of God in others. That is at root why we don't experience this the way God set it up. Now, there is a repair that must happen. The repair of the image of God is seeing the image of God clearly, and we find that in Jesus Christ. Colossians chapter 1, verse 15. Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. See, Jesus is, the, Jesus is the game changer, and he's the one who not only represents the full image of God lived here on earth, he helps us see how it was meant to be, but he repairs that broken image of God in you and in me. When a person makes that connection that Christ is the image of God, we're drawn to that, aren't we? We're drawn to it. We're like, man, Jesus lived a beautiful life, and most people I know wouldn't argue that. Believer or not believer, they'd look at that and go, wow, that's, that's what life is made to be? That's what we were meant to live? Well, that's a beautiful life. And we're drawn to that image bearing that Christ brought. We also recognize that we have not lived that way. When we look at Jesus' life, we go, what? Nope, not me. I haven't lived that way. And you and I are confronted with the reality of our broken image, right? And we're confronted with all the other things we're trying to stuff into our lives to find that, that uh, significance and that dignity. So we trust that if God made us to live his way, we will reflect God, his image, and Jesus made it possible for that to be our life, right? The broken image repaired, restored, and moving towards a people who look like Jesus As we look at Jesus, it fixes the image bearer that I am to look more and more like Christ. We see that Christ lived and loved and served and died. And the more, this is the beautiful thing, the more the image of God is repaired in me, the less I will trample on the image of God in others. But it starts and ends with Jesus. So a few thoughts as we come out of our time together. For those of you that are listening to this, that are watching this, that maybe, maybe you've been looking for that glory reflection stuff from the things of this world, right? You haven't, you haven't accepted the fact that God made you in His image, that He's made you to reflect Him in the world, and you've been like, nah, I'm going to find my dignity, my value, my worth from people, from some middle school boy, from some, some high school girl, or some, you know, some job, or some money, or, or success, or power, and that's how I'm going to get my worth and my value. I just want to tell you, Genesis 1 and 2 is from creator to creation, here's how you were made to live. Um, several years ago, we uninstalled a, one of those under cabinet CD players, right? You, you put your CD player, you know, CDs, do you remember those things? I, I don't know, maybe you don't. Um, but we removed one, and I remember after we removed it, uh, on the backside of that CD player was a bass boost button, unpressed. I had been listening to this CD player for years without the bass boost. I later found the manual that went with that that, uh, CD player so we could take it and donate it. Um, I found the manual, and in the manual it tells us Sony created this bad boy and said, look, for you to have the richest listening experience, you're going to want to turn this on. Like the creator of the CD player was telling me, I'm going to miss out if I miss this button. I wept. I cried. I wept that I did not get my full listening experience out of this under cabinet CD player. In the same way, God has said through Genesis 1 and 2, human beings, listen, the way I have ordered things, the way I have put function to things, this is the fullest living experience. Do you hear those words today? Have you understood? Have you felt it? Have you, have you sensed that because you've been looking everywhere else and ignoring the Creator's words, maybe you could put those things down and say, Lord, okay, if I was made to reflect you and be your image bearer, help me know how to do that. For those of you who are believers in this room, who have who you felt the... Um, the tension and the pull to go other places, but you know, you know your dignity and your value and your worth comes from being in relationship with God, knowing who He is and what He's done, but you feel the pull and the tension. I want to challenge you with this. Ancient cultures believed that when they set up an image of a God or an idol of a God, that idol or that image, right, represented the essence of that God, the choicest, essential, most vital parts of whatever is represented was represented in that image-bearing thing for idols, for for, for nations and gods and all those things. Okay, so the essence was represented. They also believed that, that the deity that they were worshiping through that image carried out its work through that idol or that image. It's why they would pray to that idol, right? If they're praying to that idol for a good harvest, you know, they believed that that deity would work through that idol and bless them with a good work, right? A uh, A good harvest. They also believed that as they set up those images in their area, right, that that image represented and established the authority of that deity as well. Okay. So take that visual, take those images that when somebody set up an idol or an image in their area, the the essence of that God was represented. the, The work of that God was represented and the authority of that God was represented. Now flip that to the healthy invitation of God to be his image bearers. Since you and I are created in his image and we are image bearers when we are living in that creative uh, moral decision, um, uh, being able to walk in right and wrong, being able to uh, be in relationship, all those things, right, made in his image, God then is establishing his authority and he carries out his work on the earth through us. And as he does that, through his church, glory of the Lord is established around the world. The glory of the Lord fills the earth. I know, it's like, what? It's weighty, and you begin to think of it, and you go, is that real? And, And it is. And sometimes we settle for such little things on this earth that we miss out what God has created you and me for. By faith, as we put our trust in Jesus' work, we can hear the creation story, right? That you and I have dignity far beyond what our TikTok or Instagram or our social media feeds might suggest. God made us. The answer to our image issues, right, and even our image confusion, is not to come up with our own resolution, but to look to God's starting word and His final word. Whenever um, we're at the, the community center, before we send the kids outside, we traditionally say, here's the rules. Here's how it's gonna go. And if you live by X, Y, and Z, then you're gonna experience outdoor time in its fullest. It's gonna be amazing, right? And then we send them outside. And then what happens? Arguments break out. And then what happens is a kid will come up and say, but Mr. Jason, you guys laid, you said this and this. And I said, yes, we did say that. And that's what needs to happen. Or this time outside is going to get cut short. See, there's a first word, there's a final word. And whenever there's confusion about what was said, you come to the source. You come to the source and the source sets things right and begins to say, yes, you're right. We did say this and that's how it's going to work. Nope, we did not say that. That's not how it's gonna work. You and I, with our image issues, Genesis lays down the groundwork for you and for me, a starting word and a final word of our, over our image issues in this world. Our struggles for purpose, our struggles for existence, you and I find that human beings are not like everything else, that we are set apart for a specific image-bearing life. And it is good, that is what God said. So as we've closed out our services, uh, since we've been in the Grant Center together, being able to say phrases out loud, confessing things together as the body of Christ, we're gonna do so from our homes, uh, even though you may be watching alone, or you may have a couple people in the room with you, um, these are phrases that our entire church has been saying together as we want to embody the the gospel, as we want to live the gospel as a people as we go from here. And so let's say these words together. As we go from here, we desire to celebrate Emmanuel, God with us, through a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, through community with others, through the study of God's word together, through the practices of the faith, and through inviting others to do the same.